0: Hi, I'm Christy Chadwick, Energy Healing, Yoga Moving, Deaf Educating, Essential Oil Using, Mental Wellness Promoting, and Self-Awareness Bringer. Allow me to explain. Since I was little, I would say to my family, I want to know everything about everything. Well, I may not know it all, and I may not have all the answers, but I sure do make an effort to gather experiences, tools, practices, and knowledge. And that's what this is all about. I'm here to share in my own voice about my experiences with healing arts, education, spirituality, and self-awareness. Welcome, a Mai, to the Inward Motion Podcast, the place where we focus on inner healing, inner growth, and inner knowing. Each episode covers a range of topics like mindfulness, mental health, essential oils, energy healing, and more. Speaking of essential oils, I am offering my free everyday healthy habit kit. It is the perfect way to see how essential oils can make your days healthier and happier. Visit the link in the show notes to receive yours in your inbox. Okay, here we go. On to the episode. This episode, I speak with Shani, who is a therapist based in Boston, Massachusetts, where she works primarily
1: with adolescents and women. Her approach is person-centered, emotionally focused, aligned with the health at every size framework. She is committed to helping her clients recognize their inherent worth and step into their full authentic selves without apology. So I sure hope that you take as much from this episode as I have and enjoy this conversation of really getting into some of the greater issues that we see with, uh, body size and our culture. And, um, just talk about how we can find worth within ourselves, no matter what size body we have. All right. Hey, Shani, thanks so much for being here to have this juicy conversation with me. Thank you
2: so much for having me.
1: Mm -hmm. So we recently connected over a business therapy group, and um, I loved our connection story of just you seeing my background as the ocean waves and saying, hey, that's so cool. And I was like, thanks, I don't usually use this. And then here we are, we are just having great conversations. (laughs) good one. It's my favorite zoom background. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I appreciated that you were, uh, able to connect and, um, talk about your expertise in this area because it is, it, it's everywhere. I think everyone has some body image issues and, um, I sort of covered it on a couple episodes ago, but I wanted to really touch in with you because you have this, a therapeutic approach and this um, experience of working with groups and individuals, and um, you have a lot to bring to the table. So let's get into it. All right, let's do it. Okay. So tell us where you are right now in the world, um, physically, and then also kind of what you're focusing on in your life and career.
2: Sure. So um, you find me in Somerville, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Um, I've lived here for almost 16 years. Um, in that time, I have career changed, finished undergrad, gone to grad school, worked as a school, high school counselor for a little under 10 years. And right now I'm building out my private practice um, where I work mostly with women and adolescent girls um, and groups of women, um, particularly around issues of body confidence and Um, healthy eating and non disordered ways. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And really sort of like digging into diet culture and understanding sort of the messages that we receive and how deeply internalized they are that we often don't even realize um, sort of the things that we carry in that realm.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great distinction of what is non disordered mean and what is disordered mean. Sometimes I think that I think even myself, I had the experience of thinking like, well, I don't have a disorder. I don't have any kind of eating struggles or issues. Like I'm not disordered. So what is the distinction there?
2: It's a good, it's a good question. It's often really subtle. Right. And one thing I'd like to point out right off the bat is that we often um, sort of celebrate disordered eating and eating disordered behavior in people in larger bodies that we pathologize and people in smaller bodies. And so we think about things like counting calories, right? Restricting calories. Mm -hmm. For some reason, this like 1200 calorie number has sort of, I don't even, I don't really know where it came from, but it's sort of out there as like the, when you're trying to lose weight, right? You eat 1200 calories and 1200 calories is the um, number of calories recommended for a toddler. Um, So (laughs) as grown ass (laughs) adult women and men um, and people, we should be not eating caloric calorie you know right okay the the caloric recommendations for toddlers um and so just you know it's it's really there's a lot of nuance in like you know healthy eating disordered eating and um eating disorders right which just sort of check off certain categories and things like that but one of you know one of the things in eating disorders is there's often like a weight thing that you have to be a certain percentage of weight under like BMI, which is like a whole mother. thing. <laughs> we can we'll get into, get it into that, yes. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I think things like restricting calories, cutting out entire food groups, right? Like we're seeing this with keto, we see it with like no carbs, right? Like I saw a post on Facebook not long ago and someone had posted that they were trying to lose baby weight and someone responded to them, don't eat bread. <laughs> that was it. That was that was the only response. Don't eat bread, right? Like this whole this person's entire helpful, helpful phrase was don't eat bread, mm-hmm. um, which is not actually helpful. And anyway, no. so I think when we're looking at eliminating entire food groups for non-medical reasons, right? Like obviously if there's medical reasons that you can't eat certain foods, like that's, that's a, that's a different thing. But mm-hmm. when we're just like, oh, I can't eat carbs or, oh, I can't eat whatever, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. it is of the day, right. That we're not eating this week. Um, is really problematic and, you know, it's, it's, it's disordered, right? So like when we're eating in a non-disordered way, we're listening to our bodies, feeding ourselves, nourishing ourselves, using food, like in all the ways that we use it, right? For pleasure, for fuel, all that stuff, you know, I think we also kind of get, um I go on lots of tangents, but <laughs> one of the other things, we, you know, sort of here too, is like food is fuel, right? And we're only supposed to use um food to fuel right and it's super important right particularly if you're talking about athletes or people who have you know particular like a performance goals or something like that right like there is a, there is absolutely right a place for f- uh food it's fuel but for the, the average person right or even the i don't know like active average person mm-hmm. like yes, food is fuel, but like food is also family, food is friends, food is love, food is, you know, it's, it's a lot more than fuel. And I think that we restrict our experiencing of life pretty significantly when we limit our focus of food to only be on fuel, right? Only as fuel, like we're losing out on so much else. Um, when we Mm -hmm. view it like
1: that. Yeah. There becomes, there's actually has become this negative connotation around, food in large groups, because they say you don't pay attention to what you eat if you're talking to a bunch of people with you. So you probably shouldn't eat if you're in a group or you should only have a certain amount of food on your plate. If you're eating with a bunch of friends, because you'll get lost and you won't focus on your food. And then there's also the idea around emotional eating. And if you're feeling sad or bored you're eating not because you're hungry. Um, so maybe those are two separate things, but tell me like, what is it about like emotions and eating? What is that connection and how do we like combat that? Or what is, what is the need there? What do we do?
2: Yeah. It's, it's an interesting point, right? Because we're told like emotional eating is bad and And I think most of us would agree that eating is an emotional experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are foods that we eat that make us feel good, right? Either because they're like warm and comfy, right? Like a big bowl of like gooey mac and cheese, right? Or something like that. That's like super obvious. Sometimes it's emotional in the sense that we have connections to a dish, right? It's what our mom used to make for us or our grandparents or whatever, right? Like there's an emotional connection in that way. Sometimes we use food to, to uh, for positive emotions too, right? Like let's go out and celebrate. Like let's mm-hmm. go let's go get ice cream or like what I don't know whatever. These are very like basic things, mm-hmm. but I think you know it's emotional eating is not inherently bad. And I think I'll probably catch some flack for saying that, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, emotional eating isn't a bad thing. Emotional eating, I think, becomes problematic when food is our only source of coping, right? right? When food is either our only coping strategy, maybe even our main coping strategy, Um, but I think to dismiss it entirely as like, oh, it's a bad thing and you should never do it. One, I think is just completely not realistic because Food is fucking awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. And like I turn to it. Like I love food. I love food in yeah. happy time, right? Like I love getting together in large groups mm-hmm. and eating food with my friends. And celebrating. Um, yeah. Right. Celebrating. And like if there's no doubt about it, right? When you're feeling a little down or whatever, even if it's um, you know, sort of like the seasonal winter blues or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a big hearty bowl of something, like it's comforting, right? Like it definitely, it's real. So I think to, to say like, oh, we should never eat emotionally. Like, I just, I think that's impossible (laughs) Um, because food is always going to evoke emotion. Maybe not all right. Even if it's a distasteful emotion, right? If we're trying to eat the right foods or whatever, you know, air quotes around, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it brings up resentment, right? Like it can bring up, there's, there's kind of no way around that. I don't think and I think it's totally fine to incorporate food in your <laughs> emotional sort of strategy but it is it is tough when I think it becomes more difficult when it's like the only strategy right mm-hmm. like every time you're sad or every time you're happy that's it's the one thing you sort of have to get you through or that you turn to yes. um because there's so much more you know so many other things out there that can like help us manage our emotions but I think to say like oh emotional eating is a bad thing is Silly because it just is
1: like, yeah. I mean, that's with anything, right? Within mental health and emotional well being, we don't want to get so fixated on one thing to help us through those emotions because then we're ultimately just sort of becoming this, getting this like almost codependent relationship with our emotional process of how to cope. And the thing that we go to cope have for coping is ultimately then going to not serve in coping, right? It's, it's just going to give this like cycle. And then you're not going to really even focus on the emotion or the healing of that emotion.
2: That's exactly right. That seems
1: more like the target, right? Not the food. Yeah. Right. right,
2: Right. Right. It's about the emotion. And so when you're not able and we, you know, you like, you totally hit the nail on the head there with like, it could be anything, right? Like there are people who Um, like work out excessively, right? Or run excessively. And it could be a health, quote unquote, healthy behavior. Mm -hmm. But when that's all you're doing to manage your stress, manage your anxiety, manage whatever, you're actually not dealing with like the anxiety piece, right? And both, you know, we can use, and I'm not trying to like say running is bad, but like, right, we're doing all of one thing, right? Like whether it's running, whether it's eating, whatever the thing is, one, we're not addressing the underlying emotion, which is really how we heal, right? And move forward in a healthy, productive way. But we're also like causing harm to our bodies in both of those scenarios, right? Whenever you're overdoing one particular thing, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, right? It becomes like a crutch, right? And there's Mm -hmm. this codependency. um, And we just, we literally wear ourselves down, right? Regardless of what that thing is and the anxiety, the depression, the stress, whatever the, it is, is ultimately still there. Right. And it's, it's really like digging down and doing that kind of work and having a variety of things that you can do to sort of manage, but it's more than just managing, right? Like if all we're doing is managing symptoms, we're not curing the problem, right. Or not addressing Mm -hmm. the actual problem. So.
1: Yeah. So that kind of is a good segue into the work that you do with groups and individuals and, um, you went to uh, you went through a program for nutrition, is that right? So talk a little I bit did, about yeah. that and what you've learned.
2: Yeah, so I'm a um, a level one certified uh, nutrition coach through Precision Nutrition, um, and right after I finished that program, um, I ran a, a group, like a sort of pilot group, I guess, um, with that, and I realized that it wasn't exactly what I wanted. There are parts of Precision Nutrition that I really Um, appreciate there's a lot of focus on sustainable habits and on sort of the mindset piece and then I realized that in my work I want to really like take that and focus like more on that and less on macros and you know how do you know whatever whatever um so I sort of adopted the I sort of I sort of mixed my two passions right mental health and um you know, the sort of more intuitive eating side of nutrition, um, together and created this group called mindset reset. Um, it's a 12 week group, it's all women. Um, and really what we work on is a lot of things we've been talking about today, sort of identifying messages that we've internalized from diet culture, ways of coping, you know, that we have that may not be productive or, or particularly healthy, you know, listening to our bodies where, you know, the 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 mind body connection is is a communication right or should be and often what happens is it's just really our minds trying to tell our bodies what they need right mm-hmm. instead of listening to what it's a very one-way conversation um you don't need carbs right you need to eat less you need whatever whatever but like we're not listening like our bodies are always telling us yeah. um sending us messages telling giving us cues and clues and we often miss them right because we think we know better than our bodies and we don't, right. Our bodies know what, know what they need. And so it's really, there's a lot of work in like learning to re tap into that and to pay attention to the, all the messages that we've ignored for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, for most of us, for most of our lives, right. Cause we get these messages of smallness is goodness, right. From the time we're super little, um, like super, super young. Right. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we get those messages explicitly where people are telling us we need to lose weight or whatever, or like commenting when we gain weight. And sometimes we get it sort of it from around us, right? We hear our parents talk about it or our friends' parents talk about it or grandparents or whatever. We see people on TV, like every other freaking commercial is like a weight loss supplement, right? Mm-hmm. Or freeze your fat off or like, mm-hmm. take this magic pill. That's mm-hmm. like, what? And um, just in the, bo- the bodies
1: in the media too, we get so much messaging media. from that. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, it's like the fat friend is, it's always the, you know, in in the, it's always like the fat person is always the friend and is always like dopey and like funny. Right. And they're always like,
1: they're not only can find love when they lose weight.
2: Right. Right. This like magic, like lose weight and then you'll be happy. And I think, you know, a lot of people have internalized that message and think that like losing weight is sort of the answer to the problem or whatever the problem is, right. Or the problems and it's like it's really not right if you're not if you're not okay with yourself if you're not like happy with yourself as a person, as a body. Bodies change; it's what they do. Right, no one stays the same yeah. forever. <laughs> like we change seasonally, we change monthly. Right, like I mean, there's mm-hmm. this. Bodies change; it's what they do. Um, and so when we tie our worth into our weight or into the way our body looks it's, it's a fickle thing. Right. And, you know, I think we're, we're often told that like, well, when, when you lose weight, you'll be happy, you'll be worthy, you'll be whatever. And the reality is if you're not right with yourself, you can lose the weight and it's going to be something else. Like it's, it's not the, unfortunately not well, or fortunately not the cure all that we're told. And the messaging is really tough to, to sort of hear around that and hear people say like, well, when I lose weight, then you know, Mm -hmm. if, then, when, like, whatever. And it's like, live your fucking life now. Like we, we have this one life and this one body. And like, you know, when you really get into the, like, I'm not a science person really, but like when you really get into the science of like how the body works and how it sustains itself and sustains life, it's like freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we can learn to like give our body some gratitude and some grace, (laughs) um, Mm and give ourselves grace. I mean, one thing I say about my group is like, you know, learning to give yourself the same grace you give to everyone else, right? Because particularly as women, we're often told, right, like, take care of other people or whatever, like, that's sort of like your role, that's your job. And, you know, most of the time we give, we cut other people a lot of slack. And we don't do it for ourselves. And so a lot of a lot of the group too, is learning to like, cut yourself some slack and give yourself the same, like grace and you know, give yourself a wide berth to love, you know, to sort of like love yourself the way that you love other people. It's mm-hmm. really, it's really hard to do. It's very easy to say. It's very hard to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, you know, people listening and even myself, when people are like, oh, just love yourself. I'm like, yeah. Okay,
2: yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, that's not really, yeah. That's not really the message in the group, but it's, mm-hmm. it's like, no. you know, just sort of extending the same Love that you give to other people to yourself, Absolutely. and it's really freaking hard. Yeah, we're told not yeah. to do it right, like right now. When we are not told when we're little to love ourselves, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. told that we need to be X, Y, and Z, yeah. yeah, and to do these things. And if we don't do these things, then we're not worthy of love, respect, whatever it is, happiness. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all, yeah, you, know, you can be fat awareness. and happy, that's yeah. the thing. It's yeah. like It's a thing they can, they can coexist and they can coexist in beautiful, beautiful
1: ways. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important message of just honoring yourself where you are and seeing that your body has gotten you through so much. And I, I like that message around gratitude of our bodies are fucking amazing. Like women they really female are bodies can get like grow life in them. So how crazy yeah. is that? Right. You and can like
2: grow other humans. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And
2: it makes me really sad when, you know, particularly I hear women who have like recently given birth or something saying they want their bodies to bounce back or they want to like, look like they didn't like, you grew a fucking human. <laughs> like that's amazing. Like how yeah. about give your body a little credit and like, yeah. Man, like that's, that's pretty wild, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, mm-hmm. your little body, your body took little cells and right made a
1: person. That is, yep, yep. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So, do you find that some of that internal talk or the the talk that people give themselves of like, I have a bigger body, regardless of how that happened, like, you know, time, stress, had a baby, life happened whatever is that message is that like internal talk just like does it come from of course like messaging outside of us and then like the idea that we don't really honor ourselves or we don't find ourselves worthy and then like I guess what I'm, I'm trying to figure out like where where like where is that line like how do we how do we like validate that that's real your experience happened you had this messaging, you believed this for a long time. It's no longer serving you now, something else, like what else can we do? Right. Is that kind of where the line is? Like we validate you. I get that you want to have a different body and then also you have this body. So here's the reality too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, a. I mean, there are so many things, right. And like I do think it's completely fair to say that there's like a grief process there when we're sort of like learning to accept the bodies that we have when they don't look like the bodies that we want or think we want or Mm -hmm. have told we should have been told we should have whatever right like that disconnect between like right reality and this whatever like artificial ideal that's been sort of plastered so there, there is a bit of grief there. Right. And it is, it is a bit of like, right. There's a lot of validation, like, and validation is everywhere when you look for it. Right. Cause we, there, one of the, my favorite things about the group experience is other women realizing that other women have similar experiences, yeah. you know, dreams, okay. doubts, whatever, mm-hmm. all this stuff, like there's so much power in shared experience, I think. And, for so many for so many women and so many people um this experience right this fight that we have with our bodies is like a deeply personal one but it's also intensely private um because you know we're up we're up to like laugh it off in public or be like oh like the diet starts monday right or whatever like or we're talking about the thing that we're doing to like not look the way that we do, right? And, and so many people are like suffering because of that, because we don't sort of say that and there are no messages that like, you're good enough just the way you are, right? And so, yeah, I, I kind of forget the question, but there is a grieving process for sure, right? Like understanding that for most of us and the genetics, right? Like g- genetics plays an enormous role in weight. Um, like we all sort of have like our sort of homeostasis weight, right? When we're doing sort of things n- normally, quote you know, for ourselves, like we sort of land in the same range of weight, you know, sort of weight range. There's not that much we can do about that, right? Mm-hmm. like our our bodies and like homeostasis too, right? They like to sort of stay constant. the the yo-yo thing is really, 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 really hard on our bodies. um and so a lot of it is, is sort of grieving that and recognizing like, okay, this is what I wanted. It's probably not going to happen. Or like the way that it could happen is so harmful in the process. Is it, you know, it's, it, it the hypothetical question is it even worth it? I'm going to go ahead and say, no, that it's not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's in, intensely damaging on so many levels, right? And so there is a bit of grieving. Like, I think that's completely a fair thing. And I think it's something that a lot of us sort of experience, right? And sort of that letting go of what, what we're sort of losing this peace that we've held for, for, for most of us for so long, right? This ideal that we're trying to attain and letting that go is, it can be really hard and really freeing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. When you are free to live in the moment and to listen to your body, like it's an unbelievable, (laughs) it's an unbelievable weight sort of lifted, right? When we can not worry about the snacks in the break room or like whether we should or shouldn't have that piece of cake for someone's birthday, like when you can just enjoy life and not punish yourself for it. Right. So when we're not constantly calculating, like, okay, if I eat that thing, I have to run this much or work this mm-hmm. much or, or I can't eat breakfast today. Cause I'm like going out to lunch, right. Or things like that. When you can just let that go and like mm-hmm. feed your body in the way that it wants. It's a
1: really, it's kind of a magical thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a way of living. It's like the experience of Life like let yourself yes. enjoy, let yourself feel the energy of the food. let yourself just if you don't want the food, don't have the food. If you want the food, have the food. And that's like a lot of what intuitive eating talks about of just listen to your body and again coming back to the idea that you're talking about before of how do we get back in touch with our bodies when we've been so yeah. out of touch of what it needs and wants yeah. And- yeah
2: yeah it's 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 so it's I'm like kind of laughing because I'm thinking back to when you sort of said like this thing where you're not supposed to eat in large groups right because one of the pieces of you know kind of tuning into our body is eating mindfully right which Mm -hmm. is to sort of sit quietly and eat which isn't to say at all that you shouldn't go to a party and eat right it's just like on your sort of typical days when you're doing your sort of typical thing like instead of sitting down and watching TV and eating because no one pays attention to what they're eating when they're focused on something Mm -hmm. else. It's really just to sit there and appreciate this moment of, you know, feeding yourself, right? Feeding your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's a common misconception with intuitive eating that the message is just, you can eat whatever you want, right? And you can eat, which, which is actually the message, right? That is the message, but it's sort of, it's sort of perverted in this way where people are like, well, you can just eat junk food all the time. They're telling you to eat junk food all the time. And the reality is if you listen to your body, your body does not want junk food all the time. Yeah. If you fed yourself junk food all the time, you would not feel good, right? Your body would say, I need some nutrients, right? And so it's really about learning to allow all foods, but also listening, right? Like, when we're not restricting, we binge less, right? So there's a, those two things go hand in hand a lot, right? Like we think about like those cravings that everyone gets, right? And you're just like, oh, I can really use something salty, right? Like I want some chips or whatever. And then you're like, but I can't eat chips. But all you can think about is chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you go to the store and you get a big bag of chips and you eat it all at once, right? Because you might not get it again because you're not supposed to have it, right? And so, in intuitive eating it's
1: to not eat yeah, the chips and so then you're exactly. eating these 10 other things that who knows what and where and how that happened but yeah, yeah.
2: and all mm-hmm. you still want is the chips yeah exactly um and so you know it's, it's really about honoring sort of the the almost the cravings but like right if your body's asking for something salty and you give it something not salty hmm you're not really giving it what it needs. Right. And it doesn't have to be chips. That's just like yeah. a pretty basic example and something that is very easy to kind of go overboard with. Right. So right. we're like, Oh, I, well, I, I don't keep chips in my house. Cause I can't, right. I right. can't like,
0: but so, if you yeah. sit
2: down and eat a whole bag of chips, it's unlikely that you're going to feel great after <laughs> after mm-hmm. that. Right. Like if we're really like tuning in and asking ourselves, how do we feel like probably a little overfull, probably a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, you know, the the trick with intuitive eating is to tune into yourself so that you can have a handful of chips and walk away. Right. And know that they're there if you need more or want more, but like, you don't need to eat them all because you're allowed to have them. And so yeah. when you take the power of restriction away, restriction is an incredibly powerful thing, right. It's why we like sort of hoard things in our nightstands or, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever, right. Like and then we have to eat it a lot, right? Because we have this moment where we maybe, maybe we're alone, maybe our kids are out, whatever it is. And you're like, okay, now's my chance. When when we don't have to, when we don't police ourselves in that way, we can just have a little candy or a piece of chocolate or a few chips or whatever and just like move on with our days, right? And mm-hmm. we don't have to get hung up in the guilt and the shame, um, Yeah. it it frees up an enormous amount of emotional energy and mental energy when you're not like, oh God, it's someone's birthday today. Is there going to be, are there going to be donuts or someone Mm -hmm. bringing that in? How am I going to say no? Okay. You go over there. Like it's just when you can just live your life.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I'm a huge proponent of self-awareness and what I find with people who are just getting into this realm of tuning in and listening to the their bodies, their selves, their minds, their emotions, it can get scary. Like it can get like, oh, I didn't know I had some guilt. Oh, I didn't know I had that hurts. Like that's this pain, the sadness, the sorrow, whatever, the shame. And then what you're saying though is even if we didn't really tune into it, it's still there. And then we're like exacerbating that shame when we're like at a party and trying to hide what we're eating. So what is, you know, what's the lesser, right? Like going in and like actually discovering what the feelings are and then processing through them to then be able to live and eat how we want to eat or continuing to feel the shame, but trying to ignore it and not really getting to eat what we want. I feel like that's the two options, right? Like that's, which way do you want to go? Hmm. Is that, is that like a common thing in your groups and and work that you're doing? Yeah, it definitely
2: is. You know, I think the guilt and the shame is like super real. Right. And it comes from lots of places, but we add to that too, by we sort of label foods as good or bad, right. Salads, good cookies, bad. Right. And, and by extension, like we're bad if we eat a bad food, right. Mm -hmm. Like I did something bad because I ate something bad and I'm not supposed to eat bad things, right? Like, so therefore I am bad. And very rarely do we actually think that concretely about it or that clearly, but like, that's the message, right? Like I am good when I eat the quote unquote good food and I am bad when I don't. And so we, we talk a lot about taking the the morality out of food. Food is a neutral thing, right? There is food that, there are some foods that offer more nutrients and some that offer less. There are some that are more densely caloric and some that are less, right? Like, but th- those are just facts, right? There's, mm-hmm. Food is not a moral thing. And so we spend a lot of time working on taking the morality out of food and not, not label, you know, sort of dishing that label of good and bad because it's, it serves nothing and no one. Um, and yeah, it's there is a lot of hiding, right? There's a lot of hiding around food. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of like eating in the shadows, eating in the corner, not eating, right? I worked in a high school and there were tons of, particularly girls that just like wouldn't eat at school because they didn't want to eat in front of other people um, Mm -hmm. because of guilt, because of shame, because whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And we, food is like food is necessary for life like we Mm -hmm. must we have to eat and so when we can sort of take take that away right and sort of just eat Mm -hmm. like we we overthink it so much right like so so much we put so much thought and energy and emotion into food and it's just food like Mm -hmm. when we can just let food be food and figure out what it is and we can release that guilt and the shame which is so hard right like in in some ways it's a lot easier to just deal with the guilt and shame and hiding because then we don't have to actually do the work of healing um because healing is hard right and looking at those messages and unpacking that sucks Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) it's it takes a lot of work right and Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot of tears it's a lot of pain it's a lot of unpacking of things and the messages. And, um, you know, in some cases it, it's, it's, it's painful to sort of see people we love and in the light of like, wow, you you passed this to me, right? Like this came from you in some way. Um, but until we can sort of heal and forgive that, mm-hmm. which is hard. So, right, yes, what you're saying is true. Like, it's either you live with the guilt and shame or you work through it and live your life. And some people are ready to do that work and some people aren't. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Like I, I just, like, I want to give people permission to say that that's, that's okay. It's hard. Um, And you deserve to do the work and you deserve to do the healing Um, and that work. And, you know, there'll be that, that work is going to be there for you when you're ready to do it, I would say. And like, there are going to be people around to help when people are ready. And it's, completely okay if people are not ready to give that up yet it's hard
1: yeah oh beautiful message (laughs) I'm realizing that we are you know going into like a 30 minute podcast episode now and I try to keep it down but we have so many nuggets here and we could like go further and further but I want to drop a couple more at the end here of like the scale Mm -hmm. what the heck why do we even have this fucking thing that like weighs (laughs) us what is, what is that? Tell,
2: tell us. Yeah, about it's a good question. So I'm, this, so the bottom line for me anyway, in my work is that the scale doesn't tell you anything you don't already know. The scale sort of quantifies things that you can already qualify. Right. And like the only reason you would ever need to know the, and actually you would never need to know your physician would need to know the number. The only time that's the case is when they're dosing medication. That's it the only time, the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we get tethered to the scale, because we think that weight is our worth, right? And when the number goes down, we feel great. And when the number goes up, we feel like shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have many clients who share that, like, oh, I weigh myself. And when the number goes up, I know it's going to derail my whole day. So why, right? Like we can feel in our bodies when we're carrying more weight, when we're carrying less weight, we can feel it in our clothes. Like we don't need the scale. You don't need that number to know how you're feeling, right? Again, it's sort of externalizing, the internalizing process, right? The connection to our bodies and knowing how it feels. Um, I hate scales please throw them away get a sledgehammer Mm -hmm. Um, and I would just like to throw in this little nugget very quickly you 100% have the right to ask your physicians your nurses to not weigh you you have the right as a patient to ask not to be weighed yep Yep, And I just like, I need people to know that. Cause I have yeah. many clients who are like, what? And I'm like, yes, you, there is no medical necessity for weighing unless you're mm-hmm. getting a dose and, and you can ask them not to share that number with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- you do not need to get weighed at the doctor's office.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. And, and then talk about what we talked about before we recorded about the gravity and the, and the um, <laughs> Yeah. Scale is really
2: just your relationship, your body's relationship with gravity at a given moment in time. That's it. Yep. There's no weight. That's there's the no worth. There is the magic. no, yep. right. And there's no good or bad number. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's just the relationship of your, your body and gravity. Yep. yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's important to know that we have the choice to weigh or not at the, at the doctor's yes, office. You and have
2: the choice.
1: Yeah. It's good to and know. You have the
2: right to say no to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I'll have you on here again and we can talk a little <laughs> bit more about the medical community and how weight is seen in, in doctor's offices and sometimes plays a part in how, and what kind of treatment we get. So
2: yeah, we'll I'd just be happy to happy uh, to that do that. There. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, where can everybody find you? Instagram website.
2: Yeah. So I am on Instagram at reaching wellness together, all one word. And my website is reaching wellness,
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.